Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's going to join us coming up 20 minutes from now. We'll chat a little bit about Michigan football the Cleveland Browns, here we go, Brownies, here we go, hoo, hoo. and also the Miami Dolphins. Big game for the Dolphins this weekend. They're already in the playoffs, but if they win this game, they win the AFC East. If they lose this game, the Buffalo Bills are in the playoffs as AFC East champs. It's crazy. The Bills could be the two-seed after this weekend, or they could be out of the playoffs. And I don't know if you saw this, Samter. It is expected there's going to be more Bills fans in the stadium in Miami than they're going to be Dolphins fans right now. And we know that the Miami sports fan is kind of like a fickle fan. Like even during the playoffs with the Miami Heat, I always feel as if the fans show up like five minutes into the game. And I'm sure there are passionate, loyal Miami sports fans. But how many times, I know the stadium is just ridiculous when it comes to the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes haven't been great in a long time. But you turn on a Hurricanes game and it's absolutely empty. And when you have a passionate fan base like Buffalo, where they live and die by the success or failures of this football team, and it was last year, right, coming off of Thanksgiving, where they had to stay in Detroit and play a game up against Cleveland, I think it was, in Detroit. And somehow through the snowstorm, Bills fans found their way to to Detroit to watch that team play. It's just there are certain fan bases where they overtake opposing team stadiums. Now, there's some other really great fan bases that have great home crowds that even though there will be some Steelers fans and some Packers fans and some Bills fans in attendance, they won't overtake the stadium because the team they're playing has a rabid, crazy fan base. That's just not the Dolphin fan. And like Commanders fans, because of how bad Daniel Snyder was, You always knew when you got these big brand football teams like the Patriots, like the Steelers, like the Packers playing in Landover, Maryland, that would be a home game for the opposition. You know, SoFi Stadium with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, home game for the opposition. So it does not surprise me that that stadium in a win-and-you're-in game for the Buffalo Bills 
is going to be packed, even though it is the uh, Dolphin Stadium. But anyway, um, let me just ask you this, though, Mike. I don't know how much you've been following this A.J. Brown stuff, but I've talked about it a lot, so you have to be paying somewhat of of attention to it since I talk about it a decent amount. (laughs) No, not really. I wouldn't be the first producer I work with where (laughs) where they're not really listening to what the host says. But um, (laughs) with A.J. Brown, you can visibly see through his body language that he's just not happy right now, and he's frustrated. And when you are frustrated, it's usually a product of losing. But sometimes you could tell there's frustration with the player and it's because of what's going on in that locker room. And a lot of people, including myself, has assumed that the problem with the Eagles has been a disconnect with the coaching staff and the players. Especially when you've been seeing some of their games and their players yelling at the coaches because of some of the hot mess and the hot garbage that we're seeing going down on the field. So A.J. Brown last week after they lost to the Cardinals did not address reporters. Like reporters were at his locker and he said, guys, I'm just not talking today. I was uh, raised, if you have nothing nice to say, you don't say it. Something along those lines. Gave one of those lines. And the media was like, did we do anything wrong? And he went out of his way to say, no, it has nothing to do with you guys. So A.J. Brown the other day gave a warning that tomorrow is the day that he's going to talk to reporters. Now, Samter, when you have a wide receiver, and there's sometimes a stereotype or perception about wide receivers, right? When you have a wide receiver going out of his way, who already had a messy divorce where I thought Tennessee was wrong, they should have paid him the money. But when you have a wide receiver going out of his way to announce that he's going to be speaking to the media tomorrow, which ended up being yesterday, you would have thought that this would be fireworks, it would be explosive, and that in all likelihood, the coaching staff is going to get thrown under the bus, correct? That is a fair judgment to make, yeah. Well, I was surprised. And actually, when I heard A.J. Brown speak, I was surprised what I heard from him. And it doesn't totally change my opinion about the Eagles. Like, I said it after the Seahawks game. The Eagles were done. The Eagles are still in the playoffs, but they're not going to a Super Bowl. And the goal for the Eagles was to get back to the Super Bowl and right the wrong from a year ago with a very talented team, and that was to hoist that Lombardi trophy at the end of the season when you had a 10-point lead in last year's Super Bowl up against Kansas City, and you couldn't slam the doors shut. But the reason why I'm I'm not going to change it is because there's still a problem in Philly. But the problem wasn't necessarily what AI either thought it was about, which was a disconnect with the players and the coaching staff, Or B, you have A.J. Brown, who could be annoyed at the coaching staff, but he did the right thing in trying to defuse the situation, and he took accountability, and he said this is on the players and how much he loves this coaching staff. So you may hear some of the audio we'll play from A.J. Brown in just a second, and you may say, okay, there's still a cause for concern, because this is a player-on-player issue. But if it is still a player-on-coach issue, everyone who thought A.J. Brown, like, and A.J. Brown has been the guy that has been deemed as the guy that's been the most upset with the coaching staff and the philosophy on offense, he's at least telling you that there isn't a problem with the coaching staff and the players. Now, you may believe that, you may not, but I thought A.J. Brown was very believable 
yesterday. Here is A.J. Brown defending his head football coach and Nick Sirianni. People say I'm beefing with Nick. I'm, I'm not mad at Nick. I don't, I'm not mad at nobody. Like, like, we have a great relationship. Like I said, like, I, I got a ton of respect for, for Nick. But like I said, he take off for us when, when it be us. I even said, for, for example, like for the Seattle game, that was on us. Like, we, we messed that up. We improvised and we went on our own and Nick came out and said, oh, I, I, I wanted to try to get a flag or something, something crazy like that. It's like he really made himself look, look like a fool for us. I have nothing but respect for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because not all coaches do that. We rhyme with Nick. We rhyme with Brian. We just got to come out. We just got to play ball. And Brian being Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, not to be confused with Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions that we've been talking about, potentially getting a head coaching job. I don't think Brian Johnson is going to be on many head coaching job lists. I don't think he's going to be getting many interviews, especially with the state of the offense. But with that being said, last year in Philadelphia, Jonathan Gannon was dragged through the mud a lot, and he was used as a scapegoat. And Jonathan Gannon, last time I checked, got a head coaching job. Last hiring cycle, it is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who, oh yeah, by the way, just beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Lincoln Financial Field. As a 12-point underdog, they won the game outright. So I want to go back to what A.J. Brown just said. He was referencing the end of that Seahawks game. I remember having this conversation after the game when Sirianni got in front of the, the reporters, and he said, we were trying to get a pass interference call. And everyone was like, man, that's pretty stupid to just be banking on a pass interference call when you could have just quickly dinked and dunked down the field and got into field goal range to tie the game because you were only down by three points. That's all you had to do. So A.J. Brown revealing yesterday that Sirianni didn't even really feel that way and he was defending his players, I do think it's admirable that Sirianni did that. And sometimes as the coach, you have to bite the bullet when players mess up and you don't want to be the head coach that goes, oh, this was on the players, the players did this wrong, I told them to do X, Y, and Z, and they just kind of went rogue or they did something they weren't supposed to do because then you're throwing your players under the bus. So, Santer, I think that respect that A.J. Brown revealed and what he said, it can go a long way rather quickly and maybe turning around the Eagles, but... It's nice to at least know that in A.J. Brown's mind, or at least with what he's saying with his words, the players don't have an issue with the coaching staff the way that it's being portrayed. Now, it's up to the players in the locker room, whoever's not listening, who's ever not following direction, who's ever not clocking in for a full days of work, and is there mentally and present mentally when your body is actually in that building fully to get on the same page. Like, that's still a concern for me with the Eagles, that they could still get on the same page. But it is refreshing to hear that this is an issue with the players because if it's an issue with the players, talent could still win out in this league. And if you're able to bury whatever issues those are or at least tolerate those issues, maybe the Eagles could turn around. But if this was an issue between players and coaching staff, that's usually not attainable. That does not get rectified until a coach either gets fired or you either get rid of the player. And I've seen a lot of people saying, like, A.J. Brown may have just saved the Eagles' season with these comments. If this is all it took, and it took, A, A.J. Brown this long to save things like this, mm-hmm. then that's troubling. But, B, to really think that A.J. Brown 
taking a couple bullets and defending his coach is enough to turn around how bad the Eagles have been, I'm not buying it. There's something Very deep fair. going on. Right? I agree. And a, and a, and a 20-minute press conference where you say all the right things. Great for A.J. Brown. It was the perfect press conference for what you needed it to be. But to honestly think that the Eagles' problems can mm. be fixed by a 15-minute press conference by a wide receiver, not the coach, not a quarterback, but a wide receiver, I, I don't buy it. So, the Eagles' problems is there's something else going mm-hmm. on, and I don't think this press conference or th- this this locker room talk uh, is the solution. It might be the first step, but it's not the solution. Fair point. And that's why I'm still not fully bought in because there's an issue. We just have been able to eliminate at least what A.J. Brown is saying, that the issue was not the coaching staff, which is a big step. But... There are sometimes that there are players that we don't perceive as good leaders or we don't think are good locker room guys that then when you talk to their teammates, they're beloved. Like, look at Odell Beckham Jr. When he was in New York, he had a bad reputation, some of it on him and some of it being misportrayed. Like, when he did that interview with Josina Anderson and Little Wayne after he just got the extension and couldn't even say he was happy in New York and was basically trashing Eli Manning, that was a jerk move by Odell Beckham Jr. But you talk to a lot of those players, they love Odell. Look at Odell now with the Baltimore Ravens. They love Odell. Odell with the Rams, I know it was quick, but he played well. They loved Odell. And a guy like A.J. Brown is being perceived as unhappy, frustrated, and annoyed in Philadelphia. But Jordan Mailata earlier this week was on Sports Radio 94 WIP, and people go, A.J. Brown does not get enough credit for the leader that he actually is. Because whatever's said about him, we don't view him that way in this locker room. And even though we kind of made fun of it yesterday, that escape room, that to build team chemistry, was an A.J. Brown idea. So maybe A.J. Brown needed to say these things to not necessarily put out the flame with the media, but A.J. Brown's voice in the locker room maybe is more important than what, we deemed it to be. And if that's the case and A.J. Brown does the I'll take the bullet press conference and I'll set the tone straight, maybe that's the leadership that the Eagles need that it can quickly get guys in after this week, you have no margin of error. You lose after this week, you go home, your season's done. It can quickly reignite that magic that the Eagles had last year where it's okay, we respect A.J., we love A.J., We now heard AJ set the the record and the tone to the locker room, and it could create, in a bad situation, one teammate speaking out where it's like, okay, we could settle all our differences and we could come together as a team because it was AJ who said it. And the other part also is it's also about perception, right? Within the locker room, maybe there was a belief that that there was an issue with AJ Brown and Sirianni. Maybe people thought that AJ Brown was the problem, and that's where. They were like, ah, oh, A.J. Brown's selfish. A.J. Brown has an issue with this. A.J. Brown is insubordinate. A.J. Brown this. And now hearing A.J. Brown taking accountability in front of the media, and maybe guys mm-hmm. are now saying to themselves, huh, all right, maybe we were wrong about A.J., or maybe A.J. starting to realize the problems that he's been causing. So either, A, he's a leader who's standing up, or, B, maybe he was the problem, and he's taking accountability, and now the team is saying, okay, you know what? A.J. Brown did what he needed to do. We trust him again, and now we're good. And also, good leaders don't always have to address things publicly. And maybe A.J. Brown tried to address these things with everyone privately 
and he felt like he needed to make a public message to really get this thing back in the right direction. One more from A.J. Brown, his uh, talk of uh, chemistry issues with the Eagles. We human, you know what I'm saying? So, like, but like I said, it's highs and lows, and you see the glimpses. So that's why I'm like, but we right there. We right there, despite everything, despite everybody saying this and saying that. Like, we right there, and, and, we, and we know we are, and that's the only thing that matters, that we know. You know, you can say whatever you want to say, but when it happens, then it's going to be like, oh, what is going on? Oh, oh, oh. what if it don't happen, then we're going to try again. That's just what it, that's what it is, and that's what you, how you have to approach life. I thought A.J. Brown was very genuine. I hope he was genuine. It sounded genuine. I hope it was genuine. Ultimately, we'll see if the Eagles really fixed any problems, and that will come on wild card weekend because they're going to be playing wild card weekend in all likelihood. They won't win the division, and the number one seed's already wrapped up anyway with San Francisco. And then let's see if that team that has championship experience, right, big game experience, can they go on the road, get the job done, or if they somehow have a home playoff game, take care of business at home as well. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Leroy Horde will join us next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
All righty, this is Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. The Michigan Wolverines will play for the national championship on Monday evening up against Washington. I'll be in attendance for the game. And then also, you will have a little Cleveland Browns football playoff run, and we'll see what happens with the Dolphins. So we want to talk about all three of those teams. We go to one man and one man only. And that, of course, is Leroy Horde, the former Michigan and Cleveland Browns running back and now does a daily talk show middays on 560 WQAM. Leroy, what's going on, my man? What's happening, Zach? What's going on? Well, I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you joining us. So, first and foremost, take me through uh, your feelings right now with this Michigan football team being a famous former Michigan football player. Now they're 60 minutes away from winning a national championship. I was floored and amazed at how well that defense got after that offense. It, it was something, and, and I promise you, there's nobody that thought that that defensive front six would get after Alabama's big offensive line the way they did. It was unbelievable to watch. I was floored at, I don't know whether it was a great game plan or a poor game plan by Alabama because they basically did the same stuff they brought four to the strong side, walked the safety down weak, and nobody blocked the safety all game. So I don't know if they were matching that up to Alabama's offense and Alabama couldn't adjust to it, or Alabama just never adjusted to it the whole game. And it was amazing. They they ran a lot of games up front. Alabama's big, big offensive line looked like they were lost. And so that portion of the game was incredible now as much as Michigan dominated that game the fact that Alabama took the lead I'm like oh my goodness special teams almost cost Michigan right and so that's one of the things I've always said about Alabama I don't care how bad they look man they're always in the game always they don't get blown out so um it was a little bit sketchy at the end there I was you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice way of putting it. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know whether to hit the bottle or take a walk. <laughs> I didn't know what to do because it's for me. Being a fan is ten times worse than being a player. It it it. This is. I don't know how fans do it. I mean, just sitting there watching. There's nothing you can do. We yell at the TV. Oh my goodness! I I almost lost my mind. My favorite text that I got from you during the game, you text me right as they go to overtime, and you just said, this bleep is killing me. <laughs> yes! It's killing me. It's killing me. I, like, I didn't, like, the excitement, the up and down, the, the, you know, and then going into overtime. And I don't know what in the world that last play was, but I promise you this. Michigan got after Melrose so much, he never looked downfield. Right, because even if that was supposed to be a draw, you know the quarterback drops back and acts like he's going to pass. Milro didn't even do that, so that time that shrunk on him affected him with everything that he did. Absolutely, in the half. and right? and, and so, also you could even see it on some of his runs too. Like he would have some big yeah. runs, and then he would just like fall down because right. of maybe what he was thinking about what happened early in the game. But I will say this, Leroy Horde, I was watching the the final play. Once again, 
uh, earlier this morning, and I was slowing it down. We know there was a bad snap. We talked right. about Josiah Stewart just pushing the right tackle completely into Milrow, and I do think that Milrow panicked once the snap was low and he went to what he does best, and that's let's just bulldoze people and run. But a lot of people are saying maybe he should have passed the ball to his left. You talked about it earlier, the way that the secondary just came up and quickly got to the quarterback. I don't think Mikey Sanistrils get enough credit because he was right in that backfield right away, and I think he took away Milrow's vision of even right. potentially making that pass with how quickly he came off the edge. Right. I just think during the course of that game, the thing I noticed about Miro was his attention went from secondary to linebackers to rush. And once it got on rush, that means that if he didn't have that much time, you didn't have to worry about him throwing it down the field. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way it got. And so when he had that bad stat, snap, and it happens to a lot of quarterbacks, but they relax, they calmly take it back. I got I got time. I got time, and then I make a play. He panicked because of, you know, if there hadn't been that pressure earlier in the game, I think he would have taken his time. But knowing that that pressure has been on him so quickly, that's what forced the panic. So this was a game-long process Absolutely. that ended up making that last play look the way it did. And really an all-season process, because a lot of people that cover Alabama, they've been talking about the center problems all throughout the years, and even going back right. uh, to that game up against Auburn, too, you kind of saw it pop up uh, with the bad snap. Talking to Leroy Horde right now, I was also surprised, and we'll get back to Michigan in just a second, but since we're talking about the ending of that game, Milrow gets 15 on the ground to set it up first and goal at the nine, and the next two plays, they give the ball to their running back, who was having a solid game, but clearly the best thing for Alabama all throughout that game was their quarterback running. I was shocked that they didn't run the ball with Milrow first and goal at the nine after getting 15 uh, with them on either first or second down. I would have done maybe an RPO or something along those lines to give him an option, but I think one of the reasons why we saw that offense look the way it did was how they felt about the quarterback, right? Like, if you're comfortable with a guy, you'll do stuff like that. If you're not, you just call a play and, and go with it. Now, with all the twisting that Michigan was doing, right? Um, because there were small, they're smaller than that big offensive line. Yeah. So you got to get angles, you got to move around a lot. I was worried that they might get gashed. But the offensive line never ever got any push on that D line. Never. And so from that standpoint, that's why it looks so cluttered up is because usually when you see a, a Alabama offensive line, they're going downhill and they're pushing guys off the ball. You didn't see that with Michigan. And they aren't as big, which was kind of baffling, right? You got a, a group of guys who are, I mean, I, I want to say Alabama had two linemen who were over 340, right? I don't know whether they yeah. were tired. But they made uh, more than, I think they said a bunch of, of offensive uh, NFL lines, that offensive right. line for Alabama. They said that on right. the broadcast, yeah. And so why wouldn't they just run a play where them guys just are big and just go straight downhill? Yes, I don't know. You know what it is? I think sometimes I think coaches, and I know Saban's a legend, but sometimes coaches get too cute in the big game. It was almost as if in the first half, because when Alabama took over the game, it was in the third quarter. But in the right. first half, I think they were trying to win by making Milrow do more than what, 
he was asked to do for most of the season because they threw the ball, it felt like, more in the first half than I thought they were going to. Well, yeah, and, and, and here's the deal. It didn't cost them. So even with that game plan, they were never out of the game. And usually with coaches, if you're still in the game, there's no need to panic and change. Now, coming out the second half, they made some adjustments because, it, I mean, somebody had to say, guys, why don't we just lean on them a little bit? But kudos to that Michigan defense is that whenever they tried, there was really no substantial gains doing that either. Talking to Leroy Horde right now. So I think this game, you know, just from my easy, you know, football analysis kind of eye looking at this, just doing the, the bare basics, it comes down to Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards because we know how great Michael Penix Jr. is playing and I know how great the Michigan defense has been playing. But if you could eat up clock and chew clock and just run the ball with Corum and Edwards and go on long drives and score touchdowns, that's how I think Michigan ends up winning this game on Monday night. Yourself? I wouldn't be too surprised if this looked like the Penn State game. Right? <laughs> You're going to have a national championship. Your quarterback's going to throw eight passes. And everybody's going to go, what a phenomenal game plan. Right? That that's that being said, I look at the same two guys that you do for different reasons. Because if they're getting off, then McCarthy's gonna get off. Right? And now you got a two-way go. And they used Corm in the passing game too to get that touchdown right. too. That was different. You you give any offensive unit a two-way go, it's gonna be a long day for you defensively. That being said, I'm still gonna look at what Penix does, how he throws the ball. Holy smokes, he can throw. And they got some talent outside. So are you going to, in those pivotal moments, be able to get pressure to him before he can get the ball down the field? I mean, I've seen it, but Miro is a different animal than Penix, right? So that's, that's kind of it. He looks – he exudes cool during a football game. And so from that standpoint, he's not going to panic like Miro did. On a scale of 1 to 10, Leroy Horde, 1, no confidence in the world, 10, all the confidence in the world. I think this is going to be a great game, but where's your confidence at that Michigan winds up on the victorious side Monday evening? I'm going to go 7 um, because I just think the way they have been running the football and how they've played with that defensive front um, and the way they've gotten after it defensively, I, I just don't know if anybody could beat them right now. Is this it for Harbaugh? I, I feel as if he's taken an NFL job just as long as it gets offered to him. Uh, Man, I said earlier in the year that he was going to be the coach of, of the Chargers before they fired their last coach. It just seems to fit. Um. I wouldn't be surprised. You know who else it fits? I hate to say it, but Bill Belichick. Absolutely. A, quarter, a quarterback with that defense, right? Now, I don't know if he's going to bring the the crew with him because the crew is what's getting him killed, right? <laughs> so um, I hope he doesn't leave for this reason. You've been through everything, man. You're coming out of the other side of it, right? Like, don't do it, Pete Carroll. Right? Pete Carroll, Heisman Trophy winner loses Heisman. 
school gets put on, you know, sanctions, and you're coaching for seven million dollars in Seattle, right? I don't, I don't want it to be that because Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan has a different feel than Pete Carroll leaving USC. But I kind of understand just, if he leaves because the NCAA is so he, petty. It's like, why do you want to put up with all this nonsense? And I get that too. I, I get that too. Um, but I just think sometimes, like, opportunities aren't always better. Like, what he's built there. And what my thing is, is what Jim Harbaugh has been through with the criticism and all the stuff surrounding Michigan. And now you come out of the other side of it, right? That's perseverance, right? How he's handled all these situations and still been able to come out the other side of it. Now that you do, you don't leave. Now, granted, his attitude about it might be different than mine. And, And I wouldn't be mad at whatever he chooses because God knows the way college football is now, like... It's the wild, wild west. And it's easier to be a pro coach now, no doubt about it. Right. So, so you know, I think, look, he he took San Francisco to the Super Bowl. And now he maybe feels or sees an opportunity where I like what they have. I think I have a chance to go back again. Uh, but it's up to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad either way. I'm never – when – look. If you bring Michigan a national championship and you decide to leave, <laughs> mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Plus, Absolutely. they might already have their new coach on staff. Yeah, Sharon Moore well, should get well, that job. As long it, as it he opens. don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> Why, well, you had an issue with the crying? I like the crying. Why can't he show a little emotion? Come I, on. I thought it was good. Can I, can I, wait, let me tell you why. I spent my whole life looking forward for the opportunity to play in the NFL. When I get to the NFL, I'm not crying. I worked for this my whole life. I expected to be here. So what are you crying about? Yeah, well, that's why it took you till your later years in life to be a lovable teddy bear. Back then, you were probably a, a rough, just mean person. Now you're a lovable, <laughs> nice guy. I oh, come yeah. into town in Miami. You get out of your palatial estate. You come to the studio, and you're a nice, genuine, happy guy now. It's because you probably I'm, learned how to cry through life. I'm a, I've always been a happy guy. <laughs> I, like, I, I, like I've, I've always been happy. I've always There's one thing it Every person, if you ask them this, what could you say about Leroy? Man, that dude could talk. That's for sure. That's never changed. Never changed. (laughs) It hasn't changed. (laughs) All righty, last thing I'll ask you. I'll end you with a two-part question, Leroy Horde. How far Mm -hmm. are you willing to go with Cleveland? How far of a run can they get on this year? And then the Dolphins, where's your panic level at with Miami right now after some of the defensive injuries and now having a big game up against Buffalo? My my panic level with the Dolphins is at a six, but not because of the defensive woes. I always – I worry that the game plan changes too much when the wrong guys get hurt, and then you end up sitting back and getting picked apart. That's what I'm worried about, about the defense. But um, my panic level is higher about the offense because there's certain teams that play that defense that clutter up the middle of the field Right. And it takes a while for Mike McDaniel to make some adjustments and Tua's pounding that ball in the middle of the field with all the guys in there. So that's the thing that worries me about the Dolphins, whether they have the ability. Sure. Uh, are they going to be hurting a little bit defensively? Absolutely. They basically lost 
two Pro Bowl rush ends in Jalen Phillips and, and uh, Bradley Chubb. So how are they going to go about that? I don't know. They do have some guys that can come in and play, but it's the overall scheme of how they're going to put this together. And and my thing is, we got here, we got to be all out. So just just go go for it. Don't sit back and let it, because if you go back, if you sit back, every time they sit, sat back, they've gotten picked apart. So hopefully they understand that. As far as Cleveland, man, it's hard. It's hard dealing with that defense. And I don't know what Joe Flacco is on. He's on some some get right. That dude has been throwing the ball. Elite. Unbelievable. Um, he's going to get a week break. So this is going to be his bye week. Uh, and it would be pretty amazing if he were able to go to Baltimore and win. That would be something. Right? Oh, yeah. that that would be something special. But like, yeah, I think the thing that'll kill Cleveland is Joe Flacco throws the ball to the other team. He'll throw for 350. Um, I hope it's never in a moment where it's costly. In fairness to him, whenever the game has been on the line, he hasn't done that. So I think if my confidence level right now would be higher with the Browns because they seem pretty well put as far as their defense and they're playing at a, a high level, and you can win games like that um, versus Miami um, with their woes on defense and not really knowing what adjustments they're going to have to the same type of defense that gives them problems. Um, I'm a little more worried about that. But if they get hot, you know, both teams could go pretty far. Leroy Horde, always great to catch up with you, my friend. Good luck to Michigan on Monday night. Obviously, you know, I'll be rooting for and uh, keep on kicking ass on 560 WQAM. Thank you. Hey, Zach, thanks for the video. The video. Usually we're on the phone. Yeah. Welcome to the new wave. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. I'm not going to say anything right there because I've been pushing for video for years. And finally, the boss has said, hey, you know. Zach, we should uh, get you on video some some more. You know, yeah, no, time they, you slot, know they suggest they suggest they act like it's new. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, there he is, Leroy Hoard, joining us on the All Zach right. Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Always love when he joins us. Uh, we got to take a break. We are overdue for one. We'll come on back, update some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio with the news brief. But first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update, here is the Act Man, Rich Ackerman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. All righty, news brief time on CBS Sports Radio. Let's continue the Michigan conversation. This quote went viral yesterday. It was uh, J.J. McCarthy on a teleconference for the college football national championship game. So instead of just reading you the quotes, we figured we'd play it to you. Here is the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, on the sign-stealing allegations. You know, it's so unfortunate because, you know, there's probably, I don't want to say a crazy number, but I'd say a good number, 80% of teams in college football steal signs. And, you know, it's just a thing about football. You know, it's been around for years. We we actually had to adapt because in uh, 2020 or 2019, like when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, and they were doing it the legal way, um, we had to, you know, get up to the level that they were at. And we had to, you know, make it an even playing field. But, um, you know, I just feel like it sucks just because, like Mason said, we do work our butts off. We do watch so much film and look for those little tendencies and, you know, spend like 10, 15 minutes on one clip alone just looking at all the little details where it's like, okay, you could say it's all sign stealing, but, you know, there's a lot more that goes into play. And, you know, a lot of stuff that, gets masked, a lot of work that gets masked just because of the outside perception of what sign stealing is all about. I don't think that quote is actually as bad as the way that it was portrayed yesterday. Like the way that I was seeing it on a lot of sites yesterday was basically him admitting that they were cheating. I kind of got the feeling from JJ McCarthy that he thinks they were going about it completely the legal way. Now that's a different conversation because everyone admits that sign stealing happens and I've been someone that has defended Michigan. It's just, did it go about it in a legal way? And Stallions being at the game (laughs) on uh, Monday, being two rows off the field, it's like, okay, well, if they did go about it a legal way, then why did that guy get fired or did he walk away uh, from the program, ever you want to say it? Now, J.J. McCarthy, according to Marty Smith, uh, after this was going viral yesterday, walked up to Marty Smith. It was at Schembechler uh, Hall, and he wanted to clarify his comments. He said, it's about leveling the playing field and how Michigan has forced this guys in camouflage or signs, which he said the team has needed to do during his three years at Michigan, not upping our opportunity to win by stealing other team's signs, but by protecting our own. Uh, then Marty Smith asked him if this is a distraction, just ahead of the biggest games of their lives. He said, It doesn't bother him at all, but he doesn't want to ensure it's not a uh, distraction to the team. He does want to ensure it's not a distraction to the team. If I'm Michigan at this point, I think you take a page out of Robert Kraft's playbook where Robert Kraft, when Deflategate happened and they landed in Seattle, they said, we're done talking about Deflategate. We did nothing wrong, and we expect ultimately an apology from the NFL when they find out that Tom Brady did nothing wrong. That's what I would do here. When Michigan lands, I think they land tomorrow in Houston. 
there's going to be some media availability. I think you just say we're done talking about the sign-stealing allegations. We've now been talking about them for a month, two months. We said everything that we could say. And I think, like, McCarthy's probably tired of talking about it, but then you get asked about it. And if you're not always careful about every word that you say and you let your guard down for a second, then something like this happens, and it's always going to be a story that is going to uh, make the rounds and be of interest to many people. But also, like, people saying this is now going to be a tainted championship, I think you're just doing things for clicks, and I think it's just a ridiculous take. Uh, Here is uh, Jim Harbaugh on his thoughts on possibly vacating wins when talking about this conversation that we just did for the last few minutes. Yeah, as I said, uh, you know, getting ready for this game, uh, one track mind. I mean, I guess you're want to live in the room world of rumorville or uh, or or speculation, but uh, we just we just don't really have have any uh, any room to be doing that at this point. That's that's time spent elsewhere. Harbaugh should really coach the rest of his team because Harbaugh gives you nothing. It's almost Belichickian like that. He gives you nothing when talking about controversy. Like he'll give you things about football matters, but when it's controversy, he says things and he doesn't give you an answer, but he's talking for like 10 to 15 seconds where it is an answer, but doesn't actually answer your question. That's what his players should be doing in the buildup to this game. Let's go to Nick Saban. What went wrong on the final play with Jalen Milrow? And it wasn't a great snap, which now you don't have your eyes up, so uh, makes it harder to make those kind of cuts. You know, that's that's something that's been a little bit of an issue for us all year long. You know, when you go on a clap and you use that as a noise cadence, they actually did clap on defense. They weren't doing it intentionally. The safety was just trying to get the linebacker's attention. It, it's, it's a common thing, but it, it is a penalty. Michigan was not clapping, but our center was thinking that Somebody was making a noise that sounded like a clap, and he was snapping the ball early sometimes and when we weren't ready for it sometimes. So that's a huge issue for our quarterback. That's excuse-making. So he said the defense was clapping, but they weren't clapping to try to get the center to snap the ball. They were just clapping to get the attention of their defense. What he was saying is throughout the game, Michigan may have been uh, clapping, and it was leading to uh, early snaps and things like that. On that specific play at the end, Michigan wasn't clapping. Yeah. But I guess the the center was a little bit frazzled throughout the mm-hmm. game. And now, even not... if the center heard a clap and he snaps the ball early, the snap should at least be at the proper level. The snap yes. was still low, yes. extremely low. Yes. I look back at that play. The left end for Michigan did a great job blowing up the right tackle. Sancho did a great job getting right off into the backfield. And also the snap was low, and then Milrow panicked. It's as easy as that. Finally, here's Jael Alexander. He is now back for the final game of the season after serving a one-game suspension for the whole uh, coin flip controversy. I think it was definitely something to learn from. Uh, uh, there was definitely things that I could have improved upon during that week uh, to help with the communication. And uh, moving forward, you know, uh, it, that won't happen again. For your daily news brief, we get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. All right, a news brief time on CBS Sports Radio. Let's continue the Michigan conversation. This quote went viral yesterday. It was uh, J.J. McCarthy on a teleconference for the college football national championship game. So instead of just reading you the quotes, we figured we'd play it to you. Here is the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, on the sign-stealing allegations. You know, it's so unfortunate because, you know, there's probably 
I don't want to say a crazy number, but I'd say a good number, 80% of teams in college football steal signs. And, you know, it's just a thing about football. You know, it's been around for years. We, we actually had to adapt because in uh, 2020 or 2019, like when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, and they were doing it the legal way, um, we had to, you know, get up to the level that they were at. And we had to, you know, make it an even playing field. But, um, you know, I just feel like it sucks just because, like Mason said, we do work our butts off. We do watch so much film and look for those little tendencies and, you know, spend like 10, 15 minutes on one clip alone just looking at all the little details where it's like, okay, you could say it's all sign stealing, but, you know, there's a lot more that goes into play and, you know, a lot of stuff that gets masked, a lot of work that gets masked just because of the outside perception of what sign stealing is all about. I don't think that quote is actually as bad as the way that it was portrayed yesterday. Like, the way that I was seeing it on a lot of sites yesterday was basically him admitting that they were cheating. I kind of got the feeling from J.J. McCarthy that he thinks they were going about it completely the legal way. Now, that's a different conversation because everyone admits that sign stealing happens, and I've been someone that has defended Michigan. It's just, did it go about it in a legal way? And Stallions being at the game... (laughs) On uh, Monday, being two rows off the field, it's like, okay, well, if they did go about it a legal way, then why did that guy get fired or did he walk away uh, from the program, ever you want to say it? Now, J.J. McCarthy, according to Marty Smith, uh, after this was going viral yesterday, walked up to Marty Smith, who was at Shen Beckler uh, Hall, and he wanted to clarify his comments. He said, it's about leveling the playing field and how Michigan has forced this guys in camouflage or signs, which he said the team has needed to do during his three years at Michigan, not upping our opportunity to win by stealing other teams' signs, but by protecting our own. Uh, then Marty Smith asked him if this is a distraction, just ahead of the biggest games of their lives. He said it doesn't bother him at all, but he doesn't want to ensure it's not a uh, distraction to the team. He does want to ensure it's not a distraction to the team. If I'm Michigan at this point, I think you take a page out of Robert Kraft's playbook. Where Robert Kraft, when Deflategate happened and they landed in Seattle, they said, we're done talking about Deflategate. We did nothing wrong. And we expect ultimately an apology from the NFL when they find out that Tom Brady did nothing wrong. That's what I would do here. When Michigan lands, I think they land tomorrow in Houston. There's going to be some media availability. I think you just say, we're done talking about the sign stealing allegations. We've now been talking about them for a month, two months. We said everything that we could say. And I think like McCarthy's probably tired of talking about it, but then you get asked about it. And if you're not always careful about every word that you say and you let your guard down for a second, then something like this happens and it's always going to be a story that is going to make the rounds and be of interest to many people. But also, like people saying this is now going to be a tainted championship, I think you're just doing things for clicks and I think it's just a ridiculous take. Uh, Here is uh, Jim Harbaugh on his thoughts on possibly vacating wins when talking about this conversation that we just did for the last few minutes. Yeah, as I said, uh, you know, getting ready for this game, uh, one track mind. I mean, I guess you're want to live in the room world of rumorville or uh or, or speculation but uh we just we just don't really have an, have any uh any room to be doing that at this point that's a time spent elsewhere harbaugh should really coach the rest of his team because harbaugh gives you nothing it's almost belichickian like that he gives you nothing when talking about controversy like he'll give you things about football matters but when it's controversy he says things and 
he doesn't give you an answer, but he's talking for like 10 to 15 seconds where it is an answer, but doesn't actually answer your question. That's what his player should be doing in the buildup to this game. Let's go to Nick Saban. What went wrong on the final play with Jalen Milrow? And it wasn't a great snap, which now you don't have your eyes up, so uh, makes it harder to make those kind of cuts. You know, that's that's something that's been a little bit of an issue for us all year long. You know, when you go on the clap and you use that as a noise cadence, they actually did clap on defense. They weren't doing it intentionally. The safety was just trying to get the linebacker's attention. It, it's it's a common thing, but it, it is a penalty. Michigan was not clapping, but our center was thinking that Somebody was making a noise that sounded like a clap, and he was snapping the ball early sometimes and when we weren't ready for it sometimes. So that's a huge issue for a quarterback. That's excuse-making. So he said the defense was clapping, but they weren't clapping to try to get the center to snap the ball. They were just clapping to get the attention of their defense. What he was saying is throughout the game, Michigan may have been uh, clapping, and it was leading to uh, yeah. early snaps and things like that. On that specific play at the end, Michigan wasn't clapping. Yeah. But I guess the the center was a little bit frazzled throughout the mm-hmm. game. And now, even not... if the center heard a clap and he snaps the ball early, the snap should at least be at the proper level. The snap yes. was still low, yes. extremely low. Yes. I look back at that play. The left end for Michigan did a great job blowing up the right tackle. Sancho did a great job getting right off into the backfield. And also the snap was low, and then Milrow panicked. It's as easy as that. Finally, here's Jael Alexander. He is now back for the final game of the season after serving a one-game suspension for the whole uh, coin flip controversy. I think it was definitely something to learn from. Uh, uh, there was definitely things that I could have improved upon during that week uh, to help with the communication. And uh, moving forward, you know, uh, it, that won't happen again. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 